What if the answer to some of our most challenging health issues doesn't lie in what we eat, but in what we don't? Today, we'll unveil the healing secrets of fasting. This is Cherie. Welcome to Meditating the Word. It's day four of our 21-day fast. We're going to start out with our foundational scripture for this series, Mark 9:29. Jesus said, This kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. This tells us that sometimes fasting is required. Today we're going to talk about fasting for healing. We'll look at an account of fasting in 2 Samuel 12. If you remember, David had an affair with Bathsheba, Uriah the Hittite's wife, while he was away fighting for Israel. He brought Uriah home from the front and tried to get him to go home to his wife to cover up the fact that she was pregnant with his child. But Uriah wouldn't go home while the other soldiers were still at battle. So David sent him back to the front with instructions to let him be killed by the enemy. Then he took Bathsheba as his wife, and she bore him a son. We'll pick up the story in Second Samuel 12.1. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house to you, and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah, and if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. 
Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die, but because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had borne to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request they served him food, and he ate. His attendants asked him, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. He answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. You might find it curious that I would use an unsuccessful example of fasting for healing, but take into consideration there were extenuating circumstances in this account of David. This sickness went beyond mere physical illness. I also think it's important to keep in mind not every fast will end with the result you desire, especially when you are fasting and praying for someone else, because their will is also in the mix. I have fasted and prayed over my sister's illness, and no matter how much I believe and pray and fast, I can't override her will. But that doesn't mean we don't fast. So how does this relate to us today? Aside from drawing closer to God and placing ourselves in a position to receive the healing he has already provided, fasting in and of itself, even without prayer, has been shown to heal. Fasting causes significant changes in the body. It breaks down and rebuilds damaged parts of the body, making it appear younger and more rejuvenated. The reason fasting is so effective is it selectively breaks down diseased cells, leaving healthy ones untouched. This results in a deep cleansing of the body's internal structures. Fasting also helps in healing wounds faster, whether done before or after an injury. There's growing evidence that it can be a valuable tool in treating cancer. Fasting creates an environment that makes it hard for cancer cells to adapt and grow. 
It might boost the effectiveness of cancer treatments and reduce their side effects. However, understanding exactly how fasting interacts with cancer treatment is still a work in progress. Combining fasting with traditional cancer treatments could potentially help in surviving cancer with fewer side effects. Another interesting point, fasting targets cancer cells in a way similar to chemotherapy. While healthy cells become inactive and strengthen their defenses during fasting, cancer cells, which are already weakened, find it harder to survive without food. This selective targeting of cancer cells is one of the promising aspects of fasting in cancer therapy. And now for my disclaimers. Remember, fasting doesn't move God. Fasting moves us. It puts us in a position to receive from God. I am not a medical professional, and nothing in this podcast should be taken as medical advice. Please fast responsibly. If you have any underlying health issues or unhealthy relationship with food, do not fast. And if you're going on an extended fast, it's a good idea to check with your doctor first. All right, let's check in. I encourage you to continue journaling daily along with your prayer and Bible study. Write down any thoughts, feelings, or breakthroughs that come to you, even the ones that seem insignificant. They may shed light on something else later on. How is day three of your fast going? Things you might experience today are, you may feel more energetic again today, and your mind will probably be more clear. If you physically exert yourself, you may become weak or even dizzy, and it's possible you may start to tire earlier in the day or need a nap in the afternoon. You may or may not be craving food anymore. Same with irritability. You will have lost some more weight. These are all normal. Remember, stay well hydrated. I was listening to a podcast the other day that recommended drinking an average of eight ounces of water for each of the first 10 hours you are awake during the day to avoid dehydration. Sounds like good advice to me. So here's how I'm doing. I'm down another pound. I continue to drink a gallon of water a day and get in 10,000 steps, but no strenuous exercise. My energy is good, and I'm spending lots of time in the Word and in prayer every day. All right, let me say a prayer over you. Father God, I lift up to you those who are burdened with health issues. Your Word tells us that healing has already been provided. Isaiah 53.5 tells us, By His wounds we are healed. And 1 Peter 2.24 puts it in past tense, telling us, by his wounds, we have been healed. Jeremiah 30.17 tells us, you will restore us to health and heal our wounds. Psalm 103.3 tells us, you heal all our diseases. Father, we humble ourselves before you, submitting our bodies a living sacrifice and we place ourselves in a position to receive your healing. In our moments of pain and uncertainty, may we feel your presence ever closer as a source of strength and hope. 
Give us the courage to face each day, trusting in your unwavering love and the promise of health. In moments of weakness and doubt, remind us all of the strength that comes from faith, the comfort found in community, and the healing power of your unconditional love. May each soul in distress find restoration and wellness, not only in body, but also in mind and spirit. Father, we place our trust and our hope in you, knowing that nothing is impossible with you. In the name above all diseases and above all names, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me today on Meditating the Word. This is Cherie, reminding you that you are in my prayers. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Until next time, be blessed and be a blessing.